Here's a little song I wrote You might want to hear it in your pot You'll own nothing And be happy Ain't got no cash, ain't got no car But 24 booster shots in your arm Own nothing Be happy You can't even buy it in the store because of your low social credit score Oh nothing Be happy You'll own nothing And be happy Be happy and eat the bugs Welcome to Beyond the Paradigm I am your host Paul And that was Klaus Schwab you will own nothing and be happy. That's what these global elite psychopaths want. And Klaus Schwab is obviously the leader, if you will, of the World Economic Forum. You can look up the World Economic Forum. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual organization. But I want to thank everybody who's been listening to this podcast because at the last count, I have had listeners now from 31 different countries so thank you for all those who have been coming back time and again uh, i started the podcast only back in may and i wouldn't have even imagined that i'd have had listeners across this many countries i didn't have a clue how to do a podcast or that it and i didn't think it was going to grow like this i'll be honest with you um, I knew at the time the things I wanted to talk about, but I've had to learn how to actually produce a podcast, how to use the different software packages. And it has already come a long way from the first episode, which, to be honest with you, was pretty rubbish because I absolutely didn't know what I was doing. Um, I do incur costs in order to keep this podcast on air, so I wondered if my regular listeners would like to make a monthly donation by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash beyond the paradigm for three pound a month you'll keep this show on air you'll get a shout out on the show and you'll acquire voting rights to vote on topics that you want to hear about on the show but if you can't make a regular donation amount you can make a one-off donation at buymeacoffee.com slash beyond the p5 and in the new year i in, uh, intend to add another tier of membership and this will give the added uh, bonus of being able to listen to member-only episodes. So I'm looking to do that in the new year. Well, today with me, guys, I've got another guest. And this guest has done so much research and he's brimming with knowledge. I'm going to be joined today by Charlie Robinson. And Charlie Robinson is the host of the extremely popular Macro Aggressions podcast. He is also on TNT Radio. I think he's on there on Saturdays and he hosts his own show on there and he's wrote some books including The Octopus of Global Control and Hypo Crazy. And what we will be talking about today is affecting and will affect everyone more and more and it is an extremely important topic to discuss. So it's time to get Charlie on the show. Truth! 
the truth. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's good to have you. Um, I've been listening to your, your podcast. I've read a little bit of your book. And for, for those of my audience who, who don't know, um, obviously you're the host of Macroaggressions podcast and you've wrote a couple of books, I believe. Have you contributed to a third book as well, I believe? I've got a third book that's out now. Yeah, it's called yeah. Hapak Crazy, Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards. The first book was The Octopus of Global Control. That came out in 2017 and that was like a encyclopedia of terror. You know, it was like a a, a list of all of the the way the these psychopaths are controlling us through and used the metaphor of the octopus with the eight tentacles and broke it up into eight parts in terms of how how that works. So that came out in 2017. Then I wrote a book with Jeff Berwick, who is the founder of the Dollar Vigilante and um, the founder of Anarchapulco, which is the largest anarchist conference in the world. And he and I wrote a book, took us about a year and a half to write it called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. We put that out the Friday before the U.S. elections in 2020, and that became a number one bestseller in America and in Australia on election day in America, which is great because if you read the book, you'll never vote in an election again. You know, I mean, it just it would be pointless. So, so those were the two books that came before it. So, in in the process of doing the promotion for book number one, I met Jeff Berwick, and then we started writing book number two. And in the promotion for book number two. Um, or really in the lead up to the, to the, you know, while I was working on book number two, uh, Tony Merkel from the confessionals was like, you should do a podcast. And I was like, well, I maybe, but I don't know how to do all the behind the scenes stuff. He says, I'll do that for you, but you, you need to do it. So he's my partner on macroaggressions. And that started, that started um, March of 2020, just coincidentally, you know, just, we had, we had funny timing that it, it happened. It, it started like, the week of COVID. So it was, uh, it was wild timing on that. And so, yeah, the, the podcast is, you know, the podcast has, it keeps me, me able to talk about relevant things that are happening sort of, you know, week, week by week, as opposed to the books, which, you know, I mean, it, it, it may be a two-year process to write the book and then it goes out and then you know, a lot has happened in that two-year period. That's why with 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 Berwick and I, we we were just about finished with controlled demolition when COVID hit. And I was like, hey, I think we should like sit and wait about six months and see how things play out. And he said, Yeah, I think so too. So we we were we were thinking we were gonna launch it in February of 2020 for an Arcapulco, but really Jeff still had stuff he had to do on it. And so I was like, Well, all right, well, we're just It'll come out when it comes out. And then COVID hit. And I was like, okay, we've, we've got to wait and see how this plays out. And then we got to about August of 2020. And I said, I've seen enough, man. What about you? He said, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen enough. I know where this is where this is headed. So then we finished it up and included the COVID component in it. And then, and that book just 
went crazy. I mean, because you know, I, I think it helps because Jeff's got this massive international audience, and people were were interested to to hear the take of a Canadian anarchist who lives in Mexico, Jeff, and a sort of semi normie American who lives in America, me. And so, what he could, the way he could see uh, things from being outside of the states was invaluable to me because I, I could see things inside from one perspective and he could see things on the outside from another. And we put that together and it, it worked. So, so yeah, that's sort of the background books and podcasts and, and, and the books, the podcast came as a result of, of promoting the books, but now they're sort of intertwined. So it's hard to separate them. Yeah. For those who've not listened to Charlie's podcast, I can highly recommend it. It's information packed for definite. I've been listening to it over the last few weeks and it's excellent. And obviously Thanks. you've got the book Octopus of Global Control. Yeah. I've read some of the book and there's there's a part of the book that just keeps making me laugh. And I probably shouldn't laugh at it. And there's some funny parts in it. <laughs> when I was reading it, I was reading it in sat on my bed and my wife was like looking at me like, Why are you laughing? And it was just the little part about I think you say if you add Am I right in thinking the two people? I need to get these right. Well, let's put it this way. I know you don't like George Bush from this comment. <laughs> so is it Hitler and Stalin in a room and you have a gun and George Bush and you've got two bullets and you shoot George Bush twice? I and said that just tickled me that, Charlie. Yeah, I said if you were in a room with Hitler, Stalin, and George H.W. Bush, and you had a gun with two bullets, it was it was and only two bullets. Yeah. I said it would be reasonable to shoot George Bush twice just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, and as I, I, I consider there, him to be a a a a diabolical figure. In in yeah, if you, especially if you start to dig into like the 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 Bush family, because the, the, the irony is that, you know, since I mentioned Stalin and Hitler, it's like, you know, the Bush family financed Hitler quite literally financed him. They were running yeah. Brown brothers, Harriman bank. And that was the bank that was, that was financing Hitler. And they almost hanged uh, Prescott Bush for treason, but, but they couldn't because optically it was going to, it would be a bad look because he was running this, this thing called the USO, which is like, bring our troops home. And it was like, support the troops. It'd be like the support the troops guy, like the leader of the support the troops guy is financing Adolf Hitler. We can't let anybody know that. Like, so they, they didn't, they didn't put him in prison and they didn't take him out back and shoot him, which they should have done either of those two things. Not only did they not do that, they, they buried it so that nobody would know he was, he had done that because he was, it was so embarrassing to them that he had been caught. So, so again, this is the Bush family is like financing Hitler. Can't remember where they are when JFK was shot, even though he was in Texas. And then the son goes on to be involved in nine 11. Like, I think they might be the worst family in American history. Wow. Besides maybe like the Rockefellers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I sort of said to my wife, if I was going to replace George Bush, I'd replace him with someone. It'd have to be Tony Blair. I can't, I just couldn't Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Tony, Tony oh, they have, man. there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah. There's a guy, you know, you look at them and you go like, you can almost see the evil in oh, yeah. Tony Blair, when you look yeah. at him, you you it's the smile, it's the eyes. There's something non-human about him, and I'm not 
I might be friends with David. Like, I'm not going to go down. I won't go down that path. But I mean, there's something non-human about Tony Blair. Oh, yeah. I agree with you there. Definitely. I can, what you're saying about the eyes, I just, when I see him on the TV, I'm just like, my wife's like, oh, your favorite person's on the TV. I'm like, don't. <laughs> So, so on a side note, David Ike tells this story of how he was sitting in um, a make uh, like a dressing room at the BBC uh, before he was. Um, I don't know. He was just starting to get known for being David Ike, and and he was in one makeup chair, and next to him was Ted Heath in the other one. And he wasn't, he, he, he didn't say anything. They didn't say anything to each other, but David knew it was him right there. And he said that Ted, he turned and looked at him and start, didn't even look at his eye, didn't even look him in the eyes or anything, just immediately looked him, looked at his feet and like scanned him, looked up and then looked down at him. And David was staring at him, trying to like make eye contact with him and see like, what is this freak doing right here and he said as soon as he got his head up where it was eye level he looked and he said ted heath's eyes were completely black there was no whites in his eyes he was just pure black and he was like oh my god this guy is scanning me and he and he was like this guy's not human there's no way that, that guy's human. So i think you know i mean maybe there's a possibility oh. I, I didn't see it with my own eyes but uh i do um i'm interested in what david saw <laughs> Yeah, wow, mind blowing. I, can, I I say a lot on my podcast that there's there's things we just can't rule out. We can't just yeah. call people liars or disbelieve them. All we can do is sort of just maybe put it on the shelf and go, okay, that's a possibility. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of weird stuff going on for sure. Yeah, just look around the world these days. You see, you see a lot of it, and um. And and I know that we're going to get into some of it today, some of yeah. the direction of where we're headed, because it's it's not good, but it's no. it's also not over yet. You know what I mean? It, this, right. There's still more to this game to be played, and 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 so I don't ever want to like tell people, you know, make people think that like, oh, it's over. They they've got us. They're gonna you know they're gonna enslave mm -hmm. humanity. You know, because it, I don't think that. I think that these people make a lot of mistakes, and I think that their ideas are stupid, and I think the general public can can be, you know, woken up to this at some point. But it's going to take um, it's going to take people getting honest with the information, and they're going to have to start to expand their 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 information sources too and get away from the mainstream media and start to find some shows or find some books or or find some magazines or find some something that is outside of the mainstream because you're going to get a much un, a much more unfiltered version of of reality and i think that these days i think we need that so so i'm excited for talking to you today definitely definitely so one of the Topics I wanted to talk to you about today, because the only problem I had after listening to your podcast was like, what am I going to talk about? Because I could talk <laughs> to you about all kinds of things. But I decided on, we're going to sort of go down this road. So climate change, obviously, we keep hearing about it in the news. We, and we've heard terms by one of the guys from the UN, you know, we've entered the era of global boiling. And obviously, that's been used <laughs> to increase the fear. Yeah, but... What do you think is behind this actual climate agenda that we're being constantly bombarded with? So it's not my opinion what it's about. They tell you what it's about in their writings. 
And so there's a group called the Club of Rome. And the Club of Rome was started in 1971, 70. Um, and it is a group that is um, a backed group that is very focused on sort of behind the scenes world government. It's not really a new concept. There's a lot of groups out there that are into this, but the club of Rome did something interesting. They had one of the members wrote a book called the limits to growth. And in this book, which came out in 1972, they talk about the idea of global warming. It's a term that they came up with. And what they say in this book, and and I and and since we mentioned the octopus book, you can find the quote in the octopus book. The format of my octopus book is that there are seven hundred quotes from five hundred different people, so you get an understanding of some of the things that are going on in the world. Not me saying that this is what's happening, but you get to read their words, whether it's a, an interview somebody gave or it's a, a book that they wrote, and it's from the book, and or you know an excerpt from it. It's it, I put it in the octopus book and I put the quote from the limits to growth book that the club of Rome wrote. And it talks about how the idea of global warming, even if it is invented for the purposes should be pushed as a pretext to create a global carbon tax. And that this, and, and they say, it doesn't matter if, if global warming is real or imagined. I mean, they say it's, it doesn't matter the, the the purpose is to create a carbon tax, and then this carbon tax will be the funding mechanism for their world government that they want to start. So this was 50 years ago, and so it's not a new concept. They they use global warming, but then a funny thing happened, inconvenient for them, is that temperatures started going down. So they, they're like, well, we can't use global warming if the temperatures are going down. So then they use climate change, which covers you either way. It's either up or down and climate, you know, the weather's changing. People think weather equals climate. It's not, but they think that and they go, oh, it's changing. Every time we have a storm here, every time we have a hurricane here, they go, oh, now it, they go, oh, it's climate change. It's like, no, we had hurricanes before. There's nothing, none of this stuff is new, but so it's fake. It's all fake. The entire component of it is fake. But there is a side of it that is very real, and that is pollution. Now, pollution, we pollute our rivers and our oceans and our air and our bodies and our drinking water and all these things. I mean, so we do have a problem with pollution. But what these guys have done, and it's pretty brilliant, is that they've hijacked that. They've taken all the anxiety and all the compassion that you have for wanting to clean up this beautiful planet that we most definitely need to do. And they've said, that is climate change. It's not. That's pollution. Pollution is different. Climate change is fake. Climate change is another invisible enemy that's coming to get you in the form of carbon dioxide, which is ironic because if we didn't have carbon dioxide, everything on this planet would be dead. So... um don't let the facts get in the way, right? Of course. So, so, so again, it's whether it's invisible terrorists that are around the corner that are going to get you, unless you get scared and give your give away your rights and pay more taxes to your government, or it's an invisible virus that goes one direction down the grocery store aisles and it's definitely going to kill you unless you give up your rights and pay more in taxes, or 
it's carbon dioxide, which is an invisible, odorless, colorless gas that's way, way, way up in the to- in the stratosphere where you're never going to go there and measure it. And it's definitely going to kill you unless you give up your rights and pay more in taxes. So it's the same plan. It's the same scam. It's yeah. it's just a different boogeyman. And it is, and you know, and look, it'd be one thing if it was just that. It'd be frustrating and annoying. But the problem is that they're going to use this a fake thing uh, as the justification to start to remake society in a way that's you know carbon free, carbon neutral, carbon zero. If we get to carbon zero, we're at human beings zero too. So the the thing doesn't make any sense. You, but at its core, what people need to understand is that there are the the people that are pushing this. Not all the not the minions, not the dummies like Greta that don't know what the game is. But I mean the people at the top that are pushing this down. They have two things that they really want, and they go hand in hand. And this carbon, uh, you know, scam is is going to help facilitate this. The first is they want a world government. The second part, and they're kind of connected, is that they want depopulation. Because if you're going to have a world government, it's a lot easier to control the world if there are fewer people in the world. So they want to get it down. That's why there's this push to like, you know, Georgia Guidestone, say half a million people or half a billion people in, in, in you know, in harmony with nature. And then you've got these lunatics, Bill Gates talking, about, if we do a really good job, we can lower that number by 10 to 15% talking about global population. So they're depopulationists, they're eugenicists, they're, they're, they're transhumanists. They're, they want to depopulate the planet and create a world government. And the funding mechanism for that, and also the control apparatus, is going to be in the future climate, climate change. So, and you can see it now. You can see it where you are with the uh, you. Lose uh, Olu's uh, systems, the the, the 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 monitors and everything that the people are cutting down, rightly so. And you you can see where this is going. You know, you'll eat the bugs. Um, you know, we've got to call all the cows. We've got to do you know all these things. And you go, this is about carbon, really. They, so so the scientists are saying this, and you go, they go, yeah, oh yeah, the scientists are all in agreement. Oh, you mean the same scientists that were all in agreement about COVID? I mean, those scientists, the ones that, that you guys paid to be in agreement with, I mean, it's it's nonsense. But the problem is, it doesn't matter if we know it's nonsense, the vast majority of the populations of this planet are going to fall for it because they're, they don't want to hurt the planet. They live here. They don't, you know, they don't want to destroy the planet. They have kids, you know, they don't want to leave a, dis- a dysfunctional planet for their children right so they they say oh fine yeah i'll, I'll go to an electric car and instead of a, a gas-powered car you go well where's that electricity come from well, it comes from my wall socket yeah 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 but where does the electricity come from oh it comes from burning coal okay so you're are you saving the planet? so you traded your gas-powered car for a coal burning car good job you know what i mean so there you there's a vast majority of people that think they're helping and they think that they're a part of the solution. The problem is there is no problem. There, you don't need to be part of the solution because there's no problem. We aren't, we aren't having a climate emergency. It's, it's fake. It's not real. And the same people that brought you this are the same ones that are going to try and stick you into a 15-minute city as well. So it's, it's a, I think it's imperative for us to know it 
to understand it, to, to recognize it, to see what the game is. And then that way, first of all, you don't have to have climate anxiety, you know, you don't have to do that, but you, but what you do have to do is you have to pay attention and hopefully, you know, talk to people close to you and say, Oh, you know, this whole thing is not what you think it is. So. Totally agree with you. I've been trying to say to people the same thing. Listen, climate change is not happening. And they've gone, but we spill oil in the scene. We do. And I've gone, no, no, that's pollution. Yep. And 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 like I was saying off air, I live near the coast. If I go down to the beach and I see litter on the beach, I pick it up. I'm not saying to people, don't look after the environment. If I see nets that people have discarded, I'll pick them up. Do you know what I mean? I want us yeah. to keep the place clean. But what I'm saying is the same as what you're saying is that climate change it is a scam, like you said. They use global boiling, and then, oh, inconveniently, they had some data released that showed that the temperature had gone down. So we can't use that now, but we can use this all-encompassing phrase, climate change. And there's a there's a there's a sort of local incident that I use to highlight it to people who who I know around here to highlight to them how they use this climate change. So just down the road from where I live, there's a coach company. Um, that hires out minibuses and the large coaches does the school runs and everything. Now, where that's situated, there's a hill at the side of it and they've just built a new housing estate on this hill. And I think it was finished about 18 months ago. Now, when it rains, the coach company keeps getting flooded. So people obviously, oh, it's climate change. No, it's not climate change. They've tarmacked over a hill that was soaking up the water. It's that simple. But obviously yeah. people say, look, and, and one of the things that's happening over here, I mean, over in the States, you used to, you've named your storms for quite a lot of years. They've only just started mm -hmm. doing it in the last sort of couple of years in the UK. And I've said to people, they're doing this over here now, because we've literally just had one yesterday called Storm Kieran. We had one two weeks ago called Storm Babette, where there was flooding. And yeah, places do get flooded because they're building houses on floodplains and in all the wrong places. But they're using this now, these names, to to highlight, oh, this storm's coming, this storm Babette, this storm Kieran, you know, to to stoke up the fear because it adds sort of emphasis. Whereas once of it was just like, yeah, there's going to be some bad wind and rain. And, and that was it. But now it's a storm, such a, such a name. But you talked about, obviously, um, we've we want to look really at the players because we've talked about like the strategy they're using but who are the people that are pushing this who would you say the main players are in this well anybody connected to the united nations which would be quite a few of the all of the major leaders of the countries uh, are involved the world economic forum is is part of this they're not the not the major part but there's definitely a climate side to it um the the you know the banks love it because if if you've got to remake society and you've got to go away from the existing paradigm and you've got to build a whole new infrastructure and a whole new you know 
the concept, electric cars, electric this, electric that, that requires massive capital investment. So you're going to go out, those companies are going to go out and borrow money from the banks and things like that. So the banks love it. Banks are in on it. They know that this is this is a scam. And, and of course, one of the funny things about how you know that the banks know that it's a scam is is brought to you by um, if you, you know London Real, if you've, if you've seen London Real, London Real uh, has a a guy that he has brought on many times, a guy who is like a mentor to him, a guy named uh, Dan Pena. Dan Pena is a lunatic, but like a billionaire lunatic, right? And he's and he's known for being very kind of boisterous and 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 you know and using a lot of uh, colorful language. But he's on a stage in. He's on a stage somewhere and and like a panel discussion, they're taking questions from the audience. And this this lady in the audience is just out of her mind. And she's so pissed off at him because how dare you say that climate change is fake and I have to live in. The, and he, he just immediately got, just jumps down her. Like, Shut up, you stupid whore. Yeah, I mean, he just he goes off on her. Right. And he says, listen. I invest in all sorts of real estate. He says, I have seen all kinds of of investment prospectuses from high-rise buildings in South Florida my entire life. I have never seen terminology in any of those contracts that said, if climate change happens and sea levels rise, this billion-dollar condo that's right on the beach in Miami is going to be worthless you know, do you agree to he's I've never seen that in there. And the reason why I've never seen that in there is because it's not real. And if it were real, the banks would never lend on it if they thought that their investment could turn to zero from rising sea sea levels. So they know it's fake. If they thought otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get insurance on the building. And you can get insurance on the building. So he's like, it just disproves he's like, just forget what people are saying. Watch what they're doing. Banks are lending. Insurance companies are insuring. They wouldn't be doing that if they thought there was a risk on the coast from climate change, sea level rise. They show you a map. Oh, and in 12 years, Florida is going to be underwater. No, it's not. You know why it's not? Because climate change is fake. It's a scam. It's a gigantic scam. It's a it's a it's just getting started. We are going to hear about it for the rest of our lives. That's how big of a scam it is. It's good. And I'll tell you what. If they pull it off, it will be a bigger scam than central banking. They'll have the power to control. I mean, they'll have you convinced that your behavior impacts the weather. It's mental. Of course, it, of course, what we do, the weather doesn't care what we think or what we do. It's going to do its own thing. Now, where where we do get into differences is when you start doing things like you mentioned, which is developing in areas where you shouldn't be developing. And then as a result, nature says there's nowhere for the water to go. It normally seek, you know, sinks into the through the grass and into the ground. And now you've built over that. And so now it has to pool down here. That so we we do have to pay attention to these things. It's not like the weather will never affect us. Like we have to be smart about it. But but there isn't some, you know, we haven't put too much uh, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere because one of the things that you'll notice is that the people that are pushing climate change, John Kerry, you know that that guy, he, he's he's crazy. He he loves climate change, but the, these people they're only focused on one type of climate change: anthropogenic, man-made, man-caused 
climate change. They only concerned about that, which represents a fraction of the amount of carbon dioxide that's being released into the atmosphere. You have one Icelandic volcano go off and it puts more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than all of mankind's uh, industrial capacity for, from, the, from the time we were rubbing sticks together until yesterday. One Icelandic volcano takes care of all that. Just as, so the, the fact that we're we're going to modify behavior while volcanoes are going off, well, I mean, it's 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 lunacy. It's totally backwards logic. And anyone that digs into it for more than just ten minutes and, and doesn't get their information off of the nightly news will discover that it's it's phony. But but it's very. But again, it, back to the point. It it almost doesn't matter if it's fake because it's coming. And so it's going to be very real to us that the, the ramifications of the decision making based on that will be the only real part of it, you know, like how we have to, you know, buy different cars or here in the United States, in California, they've banned uh, gas powered leaf blowers like you know the gardeners use that to blow you know you cut your grass and blow all the leaves and everything you can't have gas powered ones now it has to be electric again electricity coming from coal burning power plants so <laughs> there's no there's no benefit here it's just trading one for another it's it's nonsense it's busy work but but this is being normalized and what's even worse is that i mean envision this scenario where Three years ago, you you saw what the 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 COVID police, the the you know, the 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 lady down the street from your house who would call the police and say, My neighbor has too many cars in front of their driveway. I think they're having a party, a super spreader event. Now that's COVID, right? A, a, a virus with a 99.98% survivability rate and a median death age of 80 years old. That's COVID. And that lady thinks she's saving the the neighborhood by making that phone call what do you think she's going to do when she thinks she's saving the world you know what i mean so we're going to have an entire planet of carbon karens out there picking up the phone and calling the police to report a carbon dioxide crime that's happening next door they're they're out there they're they're in their car and they're they're revving their engines we have to get the police here immediately throw these people in jail so like it's going to get crazy out there one of the things that blows my mind on all this, I mean, I'm not a scientist or anything, but I, I know basic science, what I learned at school, and carbon dioxide is plant food. Like, if we have no carbon dioxide, we have no plants and we die. Yes. It, I mean, it's just that simple. So they are lunatics. And like you said, if we, go, we do go to true net zero, as they call it, there is no people. And they just... they, they And they want... they. But but again, that's at their core. They're depopulationists. They're fine with that. I mean, they they want to be alive, and they want that you know their their small group of people to be alive. But the rest of us, if we can we can go die. As far as they're concerned, they, we're taking up too much space on their planet. That's the way they see it. So one of the things that you briefly mentioned a phrase fifteen minute cities, or and we could call mm. them smart cities. It's obviously a term that we started to hear more and more. Possibly not everyone who listens to the show may be completely familiar with what we mean by that. So could you explain what the mainstream are saying 
and then explain what they actually are, a 15-minute or smart city. Yeah, so look, the idea of a 15-minute city in and of itself, there's nothing nefarious about it. If you live in New York City, you're in a 15-minute city, essentially. You know, your 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 school, your kid's school is within 15 minutes of a drive. It, what it means is it's your world is basically within 15 minutes of you. You get on a train or you get on a, uh, a you have a car or you can walk or wherever. But your your school for your kids, your medical for yourself, your job, your entertainment, it's all in the neighborhood. If you live in New York City, I know people that have lived there for a long, long time and they don't really ever leave. If they live in Manhattan, they're just like, oh, well, this is where I live and everything's here. And 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 so there's nothing wrong with that. The problem and, and and so the media is talking about how hey it's going to be a fifteen minute city you'll you'll you know you'll 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 be able to do everything within this area isn't this convenient and the answer is of course yeah it's convenient your dry cleaners is there and your job is there and grocery store not too far away and you can get everything done the problem is when you want to leave your fifteen minute city you want to you need to get on a plane and go visit your aunt who's having a surgery and you want to be there for her. You know what I mean? So you go, oh, I'm going to fly to um, from New York City, my 15 minute city. I'm going to fly to uh, to uh, Dallas and go see her. And they go, no, you're not. You can't leave your 15 minute city. So so the sales pitch is that everything's going to be close. Everything's going to be walkable. Everything's going to be public transport. You're not going to need a car. You won't of course, be allowed to have a car, but you won't need a car because everything will be walkable or, or public transport or whatever. And so that's the sales pitch that where it takes a turn is that at some point along the line, once they get everybody in, um, then you then then you can't leave the 15 minute city. And and maybe it's not as diabolical as like gates and walls set up around your 15 minute city. Maybe it's not quite so overt like that. Maybe instead what it is, is that if you have a car, an electric car, then you're geotagged where you're geofenced, where you can't, you can't, your car won't go past a certain area. It just, the, 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 the component, you know, just, it won't allow you to. It, it locks up, you know, all the electric cars can be, you know, remotely controlled. So, so you, you get to a point where maybe my car doesn't allow me to go there, or maybe, maybe, maybe I don't even have a car and I can physically go to the next city over that's an hour away, but the, my central bank digital currencies that we've switched over to, um, they just don't work there. Or maybe, a, you know, you know, maybe some of them work enough that I can go over and get like a hamburger or something but certainly not enough that i can stay there for for an extended period of time you know so so then they they start to geofence your money so that your money only works in a certain area within 15 minutes you know 15 minute radius right so so there's ways that they can make you comply with this so again early on when you're trying to get everyone convinced that this is a good thing it's going to be it's going to be what i imagine the sales pitch for communism was which is you know unicorns and rainbows nobody's working and everybody's eating and then what do you get you get gray soviet style drab boring buildings bread lines and and line up, lining up against the wall to be shot and so so again early on oh it's going to be great i mean think about it like this as an example, during 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 COVID, it's summer of 
well, it must have been winter where I where you and I were, but it was summer in Australia. And they were putting people in COVID concentration camps, these these little camps. And they were taking pictures of the I remember seeing the pictures of it. And it was these like young 20-something, really attractive Australian girls that were like sitting out on the front porch of their jail cell, essentially. It was like a like a like a, a tiny home that had a little front porch. And they're sitting there and it looks and they've got their, you know, their coffee and they're just like living their best life. And I was looking at that going, this is a sales pitch for a prison cell for a for a virus with a 99.98% survivability rate. This is insanity. And they're trying to sell it like it's an Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, commercial is like black and white, like look at me living my best life, you know, doing all this. And it's like, no, this is gross. This whole thing is gross. So, so again, like it'll start off glamorous. It'll start off convenient. And then they'll start to take things away from you. You know, like as you know, you're in a 15 minute city, maybe, maybe the, the, you know, maybe the you can leave the 15 minute city, provided that your social credit score is high enough, you know, and if and if it's not, then your money doesn't work. Or if it's not, then you can't get on a train or a bus. I mean, this isn't this isn't conspiracy theory. This is conspiracy analysis because this is happening in Shenzhen, China already and has been for years. If your social credit score there is too low, you cannot get on an airplane or a train. You can't. You'll scan your thing and it'll say you're ineligible. So, you know, like we would look at that and go, no, thank you. But the people that are running Western countries are looking at the Chinese system and saying, tell us how you do that. We want to do that here. We want to do that for our people. We, we don't, we want that top down authoritarian control like you guys have. Tell us more about this. And, and so, and, and how do they do it? They do it with facial recognition cameras and a, and a robust social credit database system that's all tied into the same thing. So as an example, you're a, you're a Chinese guy who's smoking a cigarette on a bus when you're not supposed to be smoking a cigarette on a bus and the camera in the bus picks up your face, matches it to your, the geotag of all the cell phones in that area, figures out that it's you, you get done, you put your cigarette out on that bus, you get off your, your bus stops there, bus stops, you get off, you walk around the corner, your cell phone pings, and it says you've been found guilty of smoking on the bus, and we've deducted, you know, a twenty yuan fine from your We Weibo account, which is like, uh, you know, like PayPal. So, like, you've been caught, you've been fined, and it's been taken out of your account within eight minutes. This isn't theory. It's they were they they tried it, they tested it. I saw a video where they tested it with a guy getting on a bus smoking, and it, and it did it to him. And so this is this is a component of a 15 minute city. So when people start to hear that, if they're unfamiliar with that term, they start to think, well, that sounds kind of like, I don't know. It sounds crazy. Well, yeah, of course, but, but that doesn't mean it isn't coming. And so start to pay attention to things like that. What they ideally like to do is just shrink your world into a smaller and smaller and smaller place and get you to stop even thinking about going somewhere. They're, they're demonizing air travel. Oh, look how much carbon dioxide it, it emits. Meanwhile, United States military aircraft carriers are, are never stop. You know, they're, they're going all over the place emitting God knows what. So, so, you know, we, we're, we're, we're sliding into this authoritarianism and, um, but, but it's, it's coming to us through guilt because they want you to feel that you're the problem. 
like that you are putting out too much carbon dioxide and you're killing the planet. And if only you would be in control of yourself, then, then, then we wouldn't have the problems that we're having all this crazy weather, which isn't, it's either not necessarily anything new, or if you do get these massive storms, they're manipulated. I mean, they're, then that technology has existed since the Korean war. So, so, which is the 1950s. So, so this is a, this this is something that I think everybody needs to pay attention to because you're not going to hear it on your nightly news. You're only going to hear things about uh, you know, how um, how you know you're just going to hear hear all the, the 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 beautiful sales pitch for it. And you're never going to hear the downside, but it's most definitely coming. an article um earlier and i just cut a portion of it out because i just i read it and i was like talk about contradictory and it's about oxford so this article says in its local plan 2040 oxford city council proposed installing 15 minute neighborhoods throughout the city over the next 20 years these plans don't include restricting people to their local areas, but instead focus on improving infrastructure and increasing mobility within the neighbourhoods. However, Oxfordshire County Council also recently announced traffic-reducing measures throughout the city from 2024. Drivers in Oxford will be encouraged to travel around the city by using the ring road or public transport, rather than just driving through it. In a very similar system to low traffic neighbourhoods, the council the council will hand out fines to those using city centre roads at certain times. The new policy doesn't stop you from travelling anywhere, but it, th this is the bit why I had to read this out. So they're saying the new policy doesn't stop you from travelling anywhere, but it does limit where and when you can use your car. Well, hang on, you've just said it doesn't stop you from traveling anywhere. And then in the next breath, well, it does limit you from where and when you can use your car. It's just insane. This is something I had a funny conversation with Richie Allen, and he's in Manchester. And Richie say, says to me, um, he said, I had this conversation with a guy uh, many years ago. He was like, it was like 10 years ago. And this guy worked, this guy was in, I don't, I don't know if he was in Manchester. He's in, in, in a, in a city that was sort of outside of Manchester. And he was in like the city council of it. He was, he was involved in the local government. And he said, Richie, I am seeing plans for them to have these, these barriers that are, they when when recessed, they just, they're, they're flat with the road. But then when activated, they come up out of the road and create barriers. And what they what they want to do, there might be three or four of them across the road, basically it'll block off this road so that you can no longer go, you, you can no longer access it. So he said they're going to shut off certain roads. So you just can't even be on them. And And this guy told Richie about this like eight years ago. And Richie re remembered it. And told me about it because well, he said well, they uh, actually did it, Charlie. 
They did it. Tw- yes. Tw- and then tw- he saw it. Because I'm I'm from that way, and I can I can even tell you now, right in the city centre, they've built new tram links now. But one of the roads, basically going, you had the Marks and Spencers here, what's called Printworks behind you, like one of the main shopping streets. It had time barriers on the bollards. What you're talking about, and they used to come up because I used to be a delivery driver many years ago. And I had to go around the ring road at certain times in the morning. You could not drive down that street. But now it's been replaced with a tram stop. So you still can't drive down it because only the trams go on it. So they actually did implement it, but then they've put something else there. So you still can't go down there. Yeah. Yeah. They they want to restrict you. They want to... Uh, they want to shrink your world and get you thinking very locally and 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 this is part of a of a of a broader plan there's agenda 2030 which is the united nations plan uh to to commit everybody you know all these countries to basically reducing their carbon output but then there's a smart cities program that's underneath that a c40 program and um and that picks partner cities that aren't quite it's not not at a country level but just at, at like a large city level and what they what they're doing there is they're just trying to make it specific to this this particular city so that you you it's it's essentially a, a 15 minute city but 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 on a local level so there's the there's the global side of agenda of of the United Nations agenda 2030 and then it takes it down to the nationwide level. And then there's an, a level even below that and it's city specific. Now it didn't do very well. They wound up having to fold the, you know, the, the, the United, the, the C40 program, it wound up going away. But one of the things that didn't go away from it was the networking between all the cities where they talk about how they can share like best practices for how to, implement these things maybe in a different way. So the network is still there, but there's, you know, but the idea of having it city specific to, for this, this agenda 2030, it wound up just falling apart because they, they mismanaged it. So again, I, I, I point out all of these crazy things that these globalist world government lunatics want to do, but also we need to remember that they make a lot of mistakes and they're not perfect and they're not gods though they think they are they 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 don't they are on some levels very ignorant of how humanity works so they, they so again we we have to push back on them we have to remember to not comply with their crazy uh, ideas because if we don't do what they tell us to do it turns out they don't really have a good backup plan for that if there's mass non-compliance, then they go, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, in the States, they said, give them free donuts for a year to get them to take the shots. Cause, cause a lot of people are like, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not doing shots. We're not, we're not doing that. And they went, oh, well, um, then bribe them. What do stupid people like? They like donuts and lottery tickets and, and lap dances and things like that. Let's well then give them that. And so that's what they started doing. So I watched that and I thought, really this is your plan like this is plan b if 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 people don't voluntarily line up for the shots plan b is we're going to give them free donuts and you go honestly that's the plan that's the dumbest plan i've ever heard so so again like part of it is if you can get them 
off of their timeline. And in 2030, the year 2030 is a huge deal for them. That is like the finish line in their minds, but they can't get there if all of us, if we cut down the cameras, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they go, we put all the, 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 the sensors up, we put all the cameras up, we're going to get everybody. But then, and then they go out one day and half of them have been cut down and they go, well, we weren't expecting that. And they go, well, what's the backup plan? They go, I don't really have one. Good. Do keep doing that. Keep screwing up their timeline. If they can't get, you know, if they have a 10 step plan, but, but they can't finish step two, who cares that they had all these other uh, ideas lined up that they, they, they can't get to them. So we, we do play a role in this and, and, and collectively, if we decide that we don't want to participate in this and we just say, we are not doing this, we're not going to use your central bank digital currency. They try that in Nigeria. They have a, the, the Nigerian population, they said, listen, you know, we, we've had, we've had problems with currencies over the years, but we're going to, we're going to roll out a central bank digital currency. Um, you guys are going to all have to use it. We're, we're getting rid of cash immediately. And now we've got the central bank digital currency. Half of 1% of the population signed up for it. You know what the, the you know what the rest did? They all started using Bitcoin instead. So, so 30 5% of the Nigerian community of, of the country, the population transacts in Bitcoin because they said, we're not doing that. But the arrogance of the government to think, oh, we'll just roll it out and everyone will do it immediately because we say to. No, they won't. So so we we do have a say in this. It Collectively, we need to get honest about what it is. So when they start to roll out these climate policies, we just go, no, we're not doing it. And they say, oh, what are you trying to destroy the, the planet? You know, like, oh, you're trying to kill grandma. That was the thing for three years of, of COVID stuff. Like, oh, you're going to try and guilt me into this by saying I'm killing the planet now? No, it doesn't work on me. I understand what the scam is. That doesn't work. So as soon as you understand the scam, it takes away all the power. So it's like a magician trying to do a trick and you know how the trick is done. And you go, oh, he's going to pull a dove out of his back pocket. That's how he does. And, you know, and when you know that, then you, the tri you, know, you see the trick and you go, oh, it's not that impressive. So I think that with us, the general public, the more we know about what we're walking into and we know the more we know about how they plan to do it, the, the harder it will be for them to pull it off. So uh, again, like I, I don't want people to be like, oh, you know, there's no hope, you know, these guys, are, no, there's plenty of hope actually, because, because if we decide it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Yeah. They've had a real problem in London uh, with, well, it's not a problem for us. It's a problem for London city council with a group called the blade runners. And they're the guys who are pulling the cameras down and they have been pulling hundreds of them down to yep. the point where London city council and I, we don't even know whether we can even go ahead with this because they're just going to keep doing it. They're just going to keep pulling them down, which, yep. you know, I mean, I'm not going to go around vandalizing things, but we need to resist. We do need to resist. I mean, one of the things that we're reading about Oxford as well is that they're the planning on bringing in a bus pass, like not a bus pass as in get you on the bus for free, but like you want to get so many a year and that's it. Like say a hundred passes. And then when you've used them all up, you can't go on the bus again until you get your next quarter of the year after. These are some of right. the things that they're mooting right now. And it's just bonkers. And there's other other cities, Birmingham, Canterbury, Ipswich, Sheffield, Bristol. They're all they're all looking to implement these 15-minute city plans. That's just over, yeah. obviously, in England. Yeah. And then we and were you know talking what? off air. 
all the bus all the bus drivers just go on strike. Just say we're not showing up for work. We're never going. We're not. We're never going to show up for work until you get rid of this. And then they go, uh, what do we do? Hire more bus drivers. Fine. You hire a new batch of bus drivers, and they say we're not doing this either. So so now what? Now you know what I mean. Like at some point, the you, these people aren't criminal masterminds. Some of them, most of them, are really dumb. They don't understand that they haven't thought this out. They're, they are, you know, we're going to implement this and then that's just going to be the way it is. And then you go, oh, oh, no, 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 it's not. We'll cut down all the cameras. We'll, 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 we'll you know, we'll, we'll be completely non-compliant with you guys. You want to roll out a, a, a new, you know, digital euro or a digital pound or something like that. Good luck with that. We'll use Bitcoin. We'll use Monero. We'll use cash. We'll use. We'll do something else. We'll use another currency, and we will. We will go around you. So because that's what we do, and that's what we have to do. And so we, if we make them work for it on every single level, then there's not enough effort. There's not enough people loyal to the cause inside the government that they will tolerate that. Most of them are low level people that are like, I don't want to do this either. I don't want to have to give you a ticket for this. I'm I'm just told that I have to. And but once those people stop uh, participating, you know the the police for all their all their you know oh, we'll make you do it. Well, you know what? The police are one bounced paycheck away from switching sides too. You know what I mean? If all of a sudden the ch- check stopped flowing to the police every two weeks, then do you really have police? You know, cause then they'll leave. So, so again, like it's our duty and obligation to be as difficult as possible for these people, because they are trying to destroy our lives. They are trying to remake society in a way that is incompatible with humanity. And we just won't allow it. Oh, absolutely. They're trying to destroy us. But I mean, I would just, I'd, I've renamed the police over here now to the Gestapo because some of the things that I've seen them doing is just unbelievable. I mean, there's been a guy arrested for for protesting against the Palestinian protests. So they had a protest for the Palestinians and there was one guy protesting against them and they arrested him, like <laughs> three coppers. And it's like, what is going on here? But, but it's like, I, I've been reading... And and I was listening to Klaus Schwab earlier, wow. and he talked, and he was saying about Los Angeles, and the, the he's saying, you know, it's going to become private car free by twenty thirty. So if you want to go no, somewhere, you, no, I, well, I, I thought that, and like you said, arrogance, like twenty thirty, yeah. that's like seven years away. That's not going to happen. No, I lived in Los Angeles for twenty five years. I can tell you with absolute certainty, there is no infrastructure capable of getting people around except cars in Los Angeles. New York, maybe. New York City, different story. It's very, very condensed. And there's a subway system and there's cabs and there's buses and everything's geographically kind of condensed. And Los Angeles goes on. You, I mean, it's an hour in every direction by car. You're not going to take a cab for that. It's a $75 cab ride one way. You're not going to take an Uber. You're not gonna. There is no subway system. There's a. There's a Los Angeles. There, there's a very small, primitive subway system that nobody uses. That goes from like three places to downtown and back, and nobody cares. Nobody ever uses it. It is. It's. He's delusional if he thinks that that private car ownership in in Los Angeles, Southern California, is going to go away in seven years. He's out of his mind. It's. It's. So. So. What is everybody going to do to go to work? 
does he have a solution for that? I mean, the, the California is already, um, you know, putting in electric car standards for 2040. And they say, oh, well, we're going to we're going to transition. They're actually, 2035, no longer allowed to sell gas powered cars in California. Uh, and, and they're they're phasing them out completely. And they because they want everybody to go to electric. Well, guess what? In August, when it's 100 degrees in Los Angeles and everybody has their air conditioning on, the power grid sometimes goes down in what they call brownouts. So they can't even keep the power fully on in Southern California in August. Now, they want to put 25 times more vehicles on the power system. And they think, and and by the way, no investment, no additional investment in the grid, in the power grid. They, they, it's not like they have, it's not like they said, well, we have $8 trillion going into the power. No, no, no. They're completely pretending like everything is fine. So they're, they're, it's magical thinking by really, I mean, I don't know if like Gavin Newsom and these guys are dumb. They can't be dumb, but it's, I mean, it's an arrogance that's just, it's bordering on delusion. It's just, it's, it doesn't even require you to be an engineer or uh, or 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 anything. You just have to you just have to have a functioning brain and you go how or how's the power grid going to handle it when we when we quadruple the amount of people that are on it when it doesn't even work very well right now. Like how do you plan to do that? And they say we're going green. And you go yeah yeah but nothing is going to work. No car no car you're going to get rid of gas stations. You're just going to have electric cars on a power grid that can't support it. And then what? And then, and then what happens? What happens when your electric bat- the battery in your electric car goes out and you have to buy a brand new one? Have you seen how much those cost? $26,000 for a brand new battery. Not a brand new car, a brand new ba- for the battery for your car. So the whole thing is like, if this were your science project, you would have get an you'd get a failing grade on it and you would deserve it. The, the teacher would say, you haven't really thought this thing out. This doesn't seem like a very feasible idea that you're proposing here. Where's the investment in the elect and in the infrastructure to support all this? And you go, uh, you know, eh, we're not going to, we're not going to worry about that. That won't get me elected to, to governor. If I, if I talk about infrastructure, that's so boring. I'm going to talk about climate change and scare everybody into voting for me. It's just maddening. Yeah, it's absolutely maddening. So just just before we sort of wrap it up, obviously it's all to do with control. And another aspect of it seems to be this push towards a cashless society. Yeah. How far off can you see that that becomes a reality where we just have a cashless society? Well, I, I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen. But the idea, I mean, we've been sort of drifting towards digital payments for a while. We have... Um, credit cards and we have wire transfers and we have PayPal and none of this is new. And we've had, we've had Bitcoin for 10 years and, um, uh, you know, so we've been sort of going this direction and, um, I, I think that we will get to a place where we are maybe cashless, but I don't think there's much of an appetite for, uh, central bank digital currencies programmable money that that to me if i if if you asked like 
what is the number one most important component thing that you would, you know, aspect that you would say, this is the hill to die on. You know, we under no circumstances can we allow this to take hold uh, more so than climate change. Well, all this, I would say central bank digital currencies. Because if, if you allow these people to be able to program your money so that it doesn't work outside of your 15-minute city, or they set it to expire, let's just say that they set part of your money to expire in order to force you to spend it, and but but you can only spend it at certain stores that that will take it. Maybe it's only the maybe it's only the companies that are partnered with the World Economic Forum. There's plenty of them, but you know maybe it's like the comp. It's like shopping on the company store when the Rockefellers used to do that. They would they would have these big mining camps and then they'd build a store and then they'd run the store. And then the only place where these guys could buy anything was at the company store and they marked up all the prices. So it's like we could get ourselves in a situation where the central bank digital currencies only work at the company store and the company store is all the partners of the World Economic Forum. So uh, you know you have money. And when Klaus Schwab says, you know, you'll own nothing, the reason why you'll own nothing, you'll never be able to save any money to buy anything large enough, like a car or anything like that, because they'll have your money expiring. So this is that to me is the fear of going cashless. You know, that is that is the 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 thing that you have to push back on because if you don't, you're gonna wind up in a situation where they 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 they've got you. If they can compete if they can control your money, I mean, they already have messed with our money through central banks and inflated it and made it worthless. But if they could actually control it, they could control where you spend it. They could see who you send it to. They could see exactly how much you have. They could take it out of your account at any time. They could take your, your taxes out whenever they want to. They could confiscate it and make you have to fight them in court to get it back. They could set it to expire. They could set it so that you can't buy guns with it. They could set it so you can't buy Bitcoin with it. They could set it so you can't buy red meat with it. I mean, they could set it up so that it, it's almost limitless the sort of controls that they could put on that. And if we allow that to happen, it's over for us. So that is my number one fear is the central bank digital currencies. But again, back to the Nigeria story, they rolled that out. Half of 1% of the people participated in that and they turned off cash. They, they, they straight up said this money that you guys have been using, it doesn't work anymore. It has no value. It's worthless. We're not going to take it. We're not going to accept it. The only thing you can do is use the central bank digital currency and still only one out of 200 people got on board with that. So there's hope. There's, there's a lot of hope, but we've got to get honest about the situation and we have to recognize these traps because- they're going to present them to us as being um, uh, benefits, but in actuality, it's going to be the enslavement of humanity. Yeah. I just encourage all my listeners to, to really look into these things that me and Charlie has been talking about today, because they, they, these things are real. They're happening now. They're a threat to us. Um so just just before we go, Charlie, could you tell tell everyone where they can get audio, where they can get your books and listen to your podcast and everything? Sure. Macroaggressions podcast goes out twice a week, once as a monologue, once as a video interview. Um, you can catch it in audio format wherever podcasts are served. You can catch it in video format over on Rumble now. I have a new Rumble channel. You can uh, it's on Rockfin, it's on band.video. The 
Website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. That's the name of the first book. You can find information about the books there. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggressions, where I argue with robots. Call them names. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely encourage you guys to go and listen to Charlie's podcast. I listen to it and uh, go on his website and have a look at his books there and purchase one because he, he does, like I said, there's a lot of information. It's information packed. So thank you again, Charlie, for joining me. Um, Thanks, I'll Mark. be back next week, guys. Um, I, I'm Paul and this is Beyond the Paradigm. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here.